regular, regular features. A regular, regular, regular features. A regular, regular, regular features. A regular features show. Hello and welcome to Regular Features, the space podcast that's exactly the same every one fifty seconds of an orbit around the sun. And like every one fifty seconds of an orbit around the sun, we're hiding inside of our secret moon base on Phobos, the larger of Mars's two moons. My name is Nebula Steve, and this week I'm joined by my best friend and great 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 grandson Cosmic Log, who got stuck at light speed near a black hole and accidentally stayed the same age for 100 million years. Except in reverse. Say hello, Cosmic Log. Good evening, Steve, my gorgeous ancestor. It's a pleasure to be here with you once again in space. Now, Cosmic Log, I've heard you've been sucking off space aliens around the back of a crater for chips. Is that true? Well, my weakness for hot Venusian spoon is a matter of public record, Steve. I make no bones about that. What do you make bones about, Log? Well, I make bones about three times a week when I zap aliens with my heat ray, turning them into charred skeletons that hold their shape for a moment before falling to the floor in a pile of ash. Are those the same aliens that you suck off, or are those different aliens? The aliens I murder with my heat ray are the very same aliens I suck off. They are special kinky aliens who move backwards through time instead of forwards like we do, and they can only get off by being murdered seconds after having sex which, to their perspective, happens right before they've offloaded their alien gamete tubes into my mouth. Oh. It's, it's timey-wimey, wibbly-wobbly stuff you probably wouldn't understand. Yesterday I coughed up some chrono-spunk from a blowjob I won't give for another two weeks. And don't get me started on the state of my Google Calendar. If you thought organising meetings across time zones was bad, wait till you try making an appointment to gob High Emperor Glavos on May the negative 5th. It sounds like a logistical nightmare for us three-dimensional beings. Oof, you don't know the half of it. Just the other day, I... Oh, God! Oh, Christ! I think I just sucked off an entire alien lacrosse team next Tuesday. Oh, brother. Well, while you rinse the gallon of alien mayonnaise out of your mouth, I can let the readers know what's coming up in today's episode of the Regular Features Space Podcast. First, we'll be tuning in to a mysterious broadcast emanating from a desolate and uninhabited moon of Saturn, which a satellite just picked up this afternoon just after breakfast. Then I'm riding my space BMX into the heart of the sun to see what's really going on with nuclear fusion. And after that, I invite you to come relax with me on one of Saturn's picturesque outer rings, taking care not to accidentally kick one out of alignment so that it knocks a planetoid into a wormhole, like in one of the between-scene animations in Third Rock from the Sun. Without further references to 90s sitcoms. (laughs) Let's go. Do this, I'm ready. It is time for the next regular feature. We're recording in my new flat. Yes, and in I, East London. I remember. I loved walking from the station to your house and not seeing a single big brand apart from Ladbrokes, but you can't escape them. But there's a Wimpy. I mean, fuck, brilliant! You've got a Wimpy near you. You've got Wimpy. You've got an Iceland. Yeah. But other than those two, everything on that street. No, I think Wimpy counts as a local brand these days because it's, it's been beleaguered by the big boys for so long. But just like, yeah, you want a burger on a plate? A, a bad burger on a plate, I will say. But 
I think Wimpy's franchisees are like those Japanese soldiers on islands still fighting the war. Yeah, they don't man. know that Wimpy's has gone, but they've still got all of the branding. They are like a cargo cult, lift. only they send their orders off every week and the food actually comes back to them. And nobody knows where it comes from. <laughs> it's like early edition, except instead of uh, getting tomorrow's newspaper, you get frozen Wimpy burgers. <laughs> but yes, apologies if the sound quality on this week's episode of the podcast is not up to our usual standard. It's because I have not yet finished constructing the podcast studio that Reese refuses to allow me to construct <laughs> in our spare room, which he insists should be for occupying and hanging out in in situations that don't involve recording a podcast. You've got a living room for that. Yeah. This room needs to be permanently decked with obtrusive foam, absorb, sound absorbing foam. Yeah, I want the the egg cups things on the on the walls. That the egg the egg the egg carton shaped foam. And you can just use it as a kind of just say it's to cushion the walls when you throw each other against it for sex or yeah. something. I mean, the clues in the name really spare room. It's going free. It's n- like literally got no use. Mm, uh, hands up. I'll have it, thank you. I'll use it for my podcast once every five weeks. <laughs> yeah, to be fair, you would need to do some more work to cover the sound coming in from your window as well. So maybe he's right. Yes, the sounds of the overground uh, do do filter quite readily into the room in a way that may be intrusive to your listening experience. So perhaps it is or, for the best. Maybe it'll make you feel like you're more involved in a genuine urban soundscape, which, yeah. which would only increase my enjoyment of a podcast of, where people refer to space and kings. It's grounding. <laughs> yes, it is. And it enhances the irony of what we're saying when you are constantly aware that we live near trains. <laughs> Whoa, regular features. Hold your feature close to mine. Feature that hello. No. And now. It is recording. And now, Steve, it is my solemn duty to inform you that it is my time to do a regular feature. Phrased that wrong, but I think I salvaged a sentence out of it. Nice. Nice. Got it. So, I don't know about you, but I, like every other British person, love the monarchy. I just fucking love deferring to people who I just instinctively accept are better than me and just born to rule over me. Whether it's queens, kings, dukes or chinless rich cunts who share 75% of their brother's DNA, I'm just a big society bottom who needs to be told what they think by someone who doesn't think I have rights. So, I'm imbued with a bit of fucking politics at the minute for some reason. It's just all over Twitter, isn't it? What's made you angry about the oh. royals lately? Well, it's just in the, I just wanted, in the run-up to this amazing election and the fact that I'm already resigned to this country roasting in its own freshly perspired hate sweat, I just want to tell you all about the most extreme rulers. Extreme. And then, when I say extreme rulers, I want you to think of extreme rulers. Like, like Duke Nukem. Yeah, just full-on skateboarders. Uh, the kind of people who blazed a trail in their respective quarter pipes of the aristocracy. Right. <laughs> Dang <you>. Some gnarly <laughs> Ollies. Yeah, the, Ollie is a, quite a regal name. I'm sure there was a prince called Oliver. <laughs> There's definitely a couple. <laughs> <laughs> prince Ollie. <laughs> of Gnarlsworth. Of Gnarlsworth. <laughs> 
Yeah, so I want to tell you all about the most fucking thrilling readers, rulers of this Albion, this England, this this noble country of ours that so many have died for and now live underground in it like moles. <laughs> I have no idea how this is going to read, so I'm just going to plough on with Go it. Go for it. King Juan, King Jason first of his name, the most extreme and duplicitous dancer and most extremely short reign. On the day of his coronation, King Jason was dressed entirely in black, a decision that horrified the royal correspondent in the Daily Mail. I don't know about you, read a scorching opinion piece that made 17 chamberlains in a row faint like big dominoes. (laughs) I don't know about you, he continued, repeating himself to remind you what he'd just said after the long analogy. But I like my kings wrapped up in massive bolts of mooncloth and festooned with ruby. This so-called king looks like a dick. But King Jason had occupied the throne for just two minutes before he leapt to his feet, stood in front of an obsidian drape, and pulled off his own motherfucking head. What followed was unheard of in constitutional law and convention. The king put on a pair of neon gloves and shoes, and his hands and feet just started flying around the jet black stage. At one point, his hovering head boomed, I'm going to rule this country from John O'Groats to Land's End, and his hands expanded to the very limits of the deep black curtain behind him to illustrate his new jurisdiction. But my empire will cover the globe. To illustrate this, his feet flew out of the window to the gasps of the court. (laughs) It was only when a small child said, There are lots of men all dressed in black in front of the drape. One of them did a fart and I can smell it that the king was exposed as a fraud and made to eat his crown. Ever since that day, all monarchs must must wear patterned clothes with fur trims and a big jewel. So that they can't do that routine. So so they can't do the... Whatever that theatrical device is called. Yes. Where you I rewatched the episode of Inside Number 9 where the two 70s comedians meet up for a reunion show in a school hall. And do they say, let's do that? There's a, there's a bit that they do, uh, the 99 bottles sitting on a wall bit, ah. where they're behind a wall <laughs> and their arms go too far apart and their legs pop out the back because they've got nice both of them working the back of the wall. Have you seen this episode of Inside I Number think Nine? I probably have. I mean, I've seen it before. It was a, a staple of 1970s stage comedy. <laughs> <laughs> so that resonated well with me. And I'm sure the readers at home. Yeah, oh, I, <laughs> more I've, than they'd be maybe more familiar with the 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 genre of Japanese sketch, uh, like Japan's Got Talent. Do they where, do that on Japan's Got Talent? I I've seen two Japanese people having the most amazing novelty ping pong battle. Yes, with telescopic bats and just like you guys, you you know that thing where Les Dawson plays the piano badly and everyone says you have to be good to play it that bad. Yeah. It's the opposite of that. You have to be extra good to do it that really good. Yeah. So it made me think that Les Dawson probably was actually bad at the piano because they're so good at ping pong. The Yeah, Les Dawson being bad at the piano is that, that I've learned what a laugher curve is recently and I think it's got something to do with that. A laughter curve? A laugher curve. It's an economics Ooh. theory because I've overheard the news desk talking about it. You work on City AM. Economics must just sink into you like, yeah. I don't know, poison. I know like, got, I know everything about dove markets now. No, bull markets, bear markets, doves and hawks. 
Okay, dove. What is a the characteristic of a dove market? There's no such thing. Sounds like it's going to get fucking picked apart by the hawks. To be honest. Bull. So yeah, no hawks eat doves. Doves perch on bulls. Bull markets raise up because the horns are pointy. Bear markets go down because, because the claws swoosh down. Oh, oh no. I'd love to see all these four animals just cooperate. Well, that's a London Stock Exchange, my friend. <laughs> Go down to the, the trading floor. <laughs> and see what stocks are happening See tonight. what stocks are happening. Bulls trampling on doves. Hawks just a drunk basket. on power. Just a whole bucket of eggs that the doves and hawks have laid in the same bucket. Who knows what's going to happen there? That's called a recession. <laughs> uh, sorry to sidetrack you. That's fine. Yeah. I'm very pleased you did. Because I got a half-written one called King Burdock, who had the most extreme reaction to lactose. And though as far as I got on that was, one in five people is lactose intolerant, but King Burdock was a fucking milk bigot. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and that's that didn't finish. And then the one I did even less of than that was King Tinlips. The kissing machine. I saw that written on your tablet. That made me laugh. <laughs> yeah, so um, it made me laugh writing the title, but I did not get around to writing how extreme he was in his kissing. And I'm sure he probably chomped off a few ladies-in-waiting's faces. I was imagining him as an Edward Scissorhands tragedy. Oh, God, he's just kissing them and just looking really sadly and crying while he chews them up. He was never given human lips. But the human lips were there in a box in the lighthouse all along. Gets me every time. I really hated how much I knew it was going to go the way it was. I knew they were going to turn on him. I knew he was going to nick a child's face. Yeah. <laughs> but I can still not... I still can't figure out what it's a metaphor for. And I think it's not the metaphor for anything. It's just a story about a man with scissors for hands who gets chased away. <laughs> <laughs> And the one thing he can do is haircuts and topiary, and they love him briefly for that. Yeah. What I would have liked is uh, more of him cutting dogs' hair, because they quickly transitioned from the dogs' hair to the women's hair. Yeah, yeah. And only one dog got it, got the dog's haircut. So you wanted to see a transition of larger animals until they got to a full-blown human woman. <laughs> the largest animal known to Edward Scissorhands. With a gestation period of 21 months, the human woman is the largest mammal that walks the land. How about King Henrietta III, who was the most extremely mysterious monarch? King Henrietta never spoke a single word during his 30-year reign. When anyone approached him with the news of the empire or told him what was for dinner, he would press his lips together and go, Hmm. Luckily, someone would always fill the silence, saying something like, Hmm, the king is pleased. Or, Oh, I don't think he liked that one. Have you got any others? Or, Mmm, who wants a banquet? The king wants a banquet. That's you. You're the king. You want a banquet? Yes, you do. It was only when Sir Walter Raleigh brought back the first twisty balloon for the pleasure of the court and twisted it into the shape of a giraffe that King Henrietta lost his entire shit and said, Oh, fucking hell, give us a go on that! In what was unmistakably a woman's voice. When everyone turned to look at her, she said, Oh, fuck a duck, me tit secret! <laughs> my tit secret. <laughs> Thus was the first world... Thus was born the world's first queen, and everyone's agreed 
Okay, start again. Thus was born the world's first queen, and everyone agreed that they didn't have anything against it in theory. It's just that the world wasn't ready for it yet, and if we start giving women positions of power, there'd only be a societal backlash that would actually hurt women more. So it's kinder to women if we just murdered her and spread rumours about her being a lesbo and that her tits were poisonous. <laughs> Which leads us on to King Buck Chunkerson, who had the most extreme balls. <laughs> After a woman accidentally became the king, Merlin proclaimed that all kings would have to have a massive set of balls if they wanted to make laws by swinging the biggest sword in Britain. And it was up to Merlin alone to check that those intralegular boy orbs cut the royal mustard. The first king lowered his nuts into Merlin's palm, and Merlin's face scrunched up in disgust. These balls have a sour tang that is not yet to the people's palate said Merlin. Balls this tart and astringent could never win the love of the populace. The second king landed his fat balls into Merlin's expectant hands, and Merlin's face softened before coming stern again. Oh, no, 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 these balls are far too sweet. One taste is delicious, but they quickly become cloying. The people might love these balls, but they could never respect them enough to follow them into battle. <laughs> the third king dropped his chaps with a plum, and then dropped his plums into our chap Merlin's hands. <laughs> Merlin's eyes widened as the hundreds of tiny tongs all over his magical hands explored every wrinkle and pube on the gigantic pair of nuts in his grasp. Earthy, pungent, a deep sense of satisfaction and deliciousness that defies easy description. I would die for these large and inscrutable balls. Merlin couldn't know it yet, as the word didn't exist, but he had just tasted the world's first pair of umami balls. <laughs> and Britain was about to enjoy a period of abundance and peace that would last until those balls got dipped in soya sauce, which absolutely ruined the flavour balance. <laughs> and that's it. The five, that's... three, it's the three most extreme kings and queens, as it turns out. You don't discount King Tinlips. <laughs> King Tinlips really needs his own show. Yeah. King Tinlips did give us the tangent... Which justifies my lack of a feature <laughs> by repeatedly pulling you off topic <laughs> to talk about things that occur to me. <laughs> it's fine. I'm, I was honestly glad of any chance to stop reading that. But what I have done is because you were an hour available an hour later than I anticipated, mm. I was stuck in a pub and I thought, why not write some extreme king chat? So oh. I wrote a little script between two kings who fucking hate each other. Hello. Hello, this is my kind of king chat. Two kings, you rarely get... It's like the two popes. Which two popes? <gasps> the film, The Two Popes. Yes! Which, which, sort of, which spawned my feature last week. Like There are so rarely two popes alive at the same time. One pope begets another, usually through death. But rarely do they stand out. Ratzinger stood down. Ratzinger is such a nice... not a Pope's name. It's not a Pope's name. Get he was, Latin, you fucking idiot. He was also in the Hitler Youth. Is that true? Or was that just a thing I read? You can prove anything with old photos, can't you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, similarly, kings... I mean, imagine you don't have... No, you never have two kings alive at the same time, do you? Unless one 
absents the Have throne. You, did, you, did you watch Game of Thrones, Steve? There's shitloads of kings in that. <laughs> and even in this current globe we live in. No, but kings, kings, of the, of the, kings of the same country. Oh, yeah. Well, I think this is just... Maybe consider this a French king, and to that end, I will read it in a French voice. Really? Yeah, that's okay. not racist. The French are racist. It's <laughs> <laughs> just so defensive. <laughs> I can't be racist. racist. You can't be racist about racist. That's like the paradox of tolerance. Hello, I'm the king, and my decrees are never shit. I'm the neighbouring king, and I have heard your royal prerogative is a bit whiffy. Oh, yeah? Tell that to my privy council, you absolute narrowboat full of dog shit. Oh, I've heard what your council is privy to. It's privy to a load of bollocks. <laughs> yeah, well, you would say that. I could fit your biggest crown jewel down my dickhole. Oh, well, I have heard that you shit the throne, and even the jester isn't allowed to joke about it, because it makes you cry. Well, I heard your jester actually bums you in front of everyone, and you say it's a joke, but actually you love it. Oh, well, I heard that your queen's got a face drawn on one of her royal boobs, and you make her cover her ears while you tell it your worst secrets, and your secrets are so disgusting that the milk comes out all bad. Well, I heard that your dungeon is so shit that your torturer keeps falling in love with the traitors and smithing them... Smithing them friendship manacles. Oh, is that the case? Well, your moat is so shit, a dog drank it. Yeah, well, one time you were on a crusade and I came around your castle and shit in your oubliette. And I swear blind I heard your weird son say, Thank you, sir. Can I have another? Well, well, you can't even cure scrofula. The best disease you can cure is that one where the peasant's skin on their hand comes off, but you don't even cure it because you like to wear the skin on your hand and you imagine the peasant is wanking you off. Yeah, well, I, I was at a tournament recently and all your knights were hanging around in the toilet tent. And, well, I would fucking... I hate you. I would think you're a stupid king. Oh, it's you've got a bad country. Stupid king, your crown is rubbish. Your laws aren't even enforceable. God, you stink what? of it. You're stupid. Stupid king. And that is our kings sort out their differences. <laughs> Ooh, squirty, squirty. You squirty, birty. Ooh, squirty, squirty. You dirty, birty. There seems to have been some <laughs> interference in the broadcast, and everything you heard in the introduction. It's entirely made up. Yes. None of those features are going to happen. Introdu- introduction was interrupted by asteroids there was a, in the space field, creating a, an entirely fake beginning to the podcast that we can now only just apologise for and continue as normal. What is your feature today, Steve, though? That was it. Oh, my lord, brilliant. Christ. <laughs> I don't have anything else. I just wrote the intro. <laughs> wow. I can't believe you do that and then don't consider it to be a full feature and then put your feet up. All I do is think of five words that sound a bit Egyptian and go, <laughs> it's an Egyptian thing. And you know, when I did last week's Egyptian feature opening, I realised how disrespectful I was by not even mentioning that I was talking about ancient Egypt, forgetting that there is an entirely current Egypt over there Oh yeah, that might have thought, oh, they're going to talk about us now. And then it wasn't. It was all about Horus. They must be used to that, though, in yeah, Egypt. It is. Yeah. What is Egyptology, if not? Pyramids. Yeah, it's not looking at the current, um, the the uprising in the Middle East, and are what, they? What is Erdogan if not a geometric shape <laughs> that you build a tomb in the shape of? I didn't have a, uh, any time to write a feature uh, today because I 
was buying Christmas sandwiches for City AM's annual Christmas sandwich review. I would love to take part in one of those. Uh, you should have done. There was so much room temperature turkey left strewn about the place. <laughs> Why was it strewn? I mean, was it plucked from the sandwiches? Well, is this how you got around your veganism by just buying all the turkey sandwiches and then just throwing it out the window? Every every sandwich had to be removed from its packaging and then photographed oh, and then placed yes, back yes. into its packaging in a way that made it appetising to someone who knows where the photographer's fingers have been. I bet the camera, the shutter button on his camera, oh, I bet, I bet he never washes that. it. That's mate. You never, you'd never think to... You don't think your fingers are filthy. No. Until you've had them deep in a turkey sandwich. Yeah. I did eat a Brussels sprout sandwich from Paul, the bakery. Paul does a fantastic Brussels sprout sandwich. How do you make Brussels sprouts? And this is a genuine question. I'm not anti-Brussels sprouts, but I don't think they can lead a meal. They're a delicious side at best. And if my mum makes them, they're an atrocity that deserves her to be thrown to the wolves. <laughs> but, just uh, going to roast them. Oh, roast the fuckers. Yeah, don't boil them. That's why everyone hates Brussels sprouts, is because our parents would just boil the shit out your of them. Your teeth glide through them. Mm. And it feels like your teeth are never going to stop gliding through them until you just hit the reality of your other teeth. Yeah, so I've yeah I I do like them, pan fried as well. Yeah, cut in shredded. You yeah. can shred them up, and um, it's, the, the trap that a lot of these Christmas sandwich makers fall into is using cranberry sauce as a condiment in order to you know evoke the Christmassy flavors that one associates with a Christmas dinner. Okay, so. What should they use it as, or shouldn't they use it at all? Well, they all? shouldn't use it at all, because it soaks into the bread in a way that makes the bread claggy oh. and unpleasant. So this this is real... This is probably the most passionate feature you've ever written for City Air. Yeah. Because you're angry at them. And the way Paul gets around this is by uh, not putting any cranberry sauce in there as a condiment, but putting baking the cranberries into the bread. So Paul, you get you're a genius! A bite of cranberry in the, in the actual dough, and... That frees up condiment headspace for them to use a mixture of Paul's orange jam and Old English chutney as the condiment, which I think brightens up the flavours of a Brussels sprout sandwich, which could be quite irony. This this is astonishing, Steve. You're actually talking competently about food. <laughs> this, this reminds me of the time when I wrote Tom Parker Bowles' column in the Mail on Sunday's <laughs> magazine. Because he didn't hadn't turned in his copy, and I had to write about five different shepherd's pies. Oh wow! Yeah, I had to phone up some restaurants and say, "Can you describe your shepherd's pies to me, please?" I'm writing Tom Barker <laughs> Tom Parker Bowles' column this week. What kind of words did you use to describe pies? Um, all I I don't remember much. I remember the copy got through, so I clearly waffled enough about it and just evoked scenes in my my past. <laughs> but I remember. That the Ivy was one of Tom Parker Bowles' favourite venues, and I slagged off their <laughs> shepherd's pie just so he wasn't so welcome there anymore. <laughs> That'll teach him to not write his column. <laughs> That'll teach you not, not to turn in your copy, Tom, you lazy cock. <laughs> you still got paid for it, and I wrote it. But there's a knack to writing about shepherd's pies. I mean, there's only so many ways you can describe the the bake. Yeah, well, you've... Yeah, and you go into what is and isn't an acceptable ingredient. Some people are quite snotty about it. I think this is where all those sort of food rules come from, 
is is critics writing about food and the only way that can make a compelling article is to be dogmatic about what goes in and what doesn't go in so you can rail against a dish that has peas in it every shepherd's pie's got peas yeah. in it i just think what else is that what, what can you put in a shepherd's pie that's that you have to not... put sheep in it i think you should have, be able to have beef in it because if you're a real shepherd you'd want to eat a cow so you could keep your sheep that's true Cows are the enemies of shepherds. Yeah, they don't require a, any shepherding. <laughs> if that field was full of cows, you'd be out of a job, mate. Red sky or not. <laughs> well, that's it. I'm afraid to say that is it. That is it. Yes. That's it. It's all over. That is it. It's all over for what we're doing, but there are things that you can do now. The baton is being passed to you. If you enjoyed what you heard, maybe you'd like to trickle some of your currency into a Patreon that we set up just now. It we just did it. Did we? Um, no, I'm, try- I'm trying to create a sense of freshness and urgency instead of saying <laughs> instead of saying it every week. We're saying, oh, we, we just get get in on the ground floor, everyone. Yeah. No, we've got this really old Patreon, <laughs> but it helps us. <laughs> And if you would like to support us on Patreon, you can go to www.patreon.com forward slash regular feature. Very nice. I'm sorry for talking over you, the middle bit of your URL there. You you came in at the syllable where everyone knew where it was going. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But you could just tell your friends that you enjoyed it as much as we did. And did you notice how I modulated my voice there to sound like I actually did enjoy it? And hey, Christmas is coming up, so why don't you ask, if your loved one is asking, what can I get you for Christmas? Why don't you get them to Patreon us in your name? And we we read your name out, probably. We'll bring water to a village that doesn't have any diamonds <laughs> a flooded town with no diamonds we will bring, bring thimblefuls to as part of our contractual obligation to you we'll go to one of britain's very flooded towns and tip kiora into the water so it's delicious again yeah you see them drinking out of these little puddles yeah that's right. put a bit of ribena in there yeah don't, don't, just more fun that way no, making fun of poverty now. No, we're making, we're making fun of um, extreme weather that will kill us all one day. Yeah. Yes, this is actually climate activism. <laughs> yes. What are you doing after this, Log? I am hopping straight on a ski jet ski back to Nottingham through mm. the canalways of this fair isle. We will need to ramp over all of the closed locks as you oh, go. yes. <laughs> Singing your song that you're always, that you like to sing on your jet skis. Yeah, it was like, so long, lock keeper, you loser. Yeah. When you, you draw a horse-drawn barge along this, you say. I think lock you slap keep- your ass. <laughs> lock keepers were the first job to go to automation when they get every person who owns a barge or a narrow boat a lock key. It was the world's first self-service checkout. Oh. So... Don't complain about Tesco, because I didn't see you fighting for the lock keepers. No, when they ended up drinking themselves to death next to a canal, which, to be fair, is a nice place to die. Yeah, but the last thing... Canal water is quite stagnant, and that's the last thing you want to drink from. Oh, you didn't say they were drinking from the canal? No. (laughs) (laughs) 
lock keepers are the drinking problem. They just keep drinking the canal water. How do you think the, the lock goes down? When there's, they have to drink about fucking 20 pints, which is my estimation of how much water is in the lock. <laughs> really bad at gauging volumetric shapes. Come back next week. We'll be back with the rest of our friends, hopefully. Yes. We don't need them, but it's nice to have them. We do need them. Mm, don't let them know that. <laughs> Goodbye. Oh.